Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to the show, everyone. Basically, going to do something a little bit different today. It is the Daytona 500 show, and this is the first time I'm actually doing a show on the Daytona 500, which entails something completely different than what I would normally advise from a DFS perspective, and that is essentially ignoring the actual salary constraints, uh, like ownership percentages, I'm not necessarily going to go down that path. And that's why I usually don't do the Daytona 500, because it is just such a random event. So uh, obviously, for those of you new uh, to NASCAR, the Daytona 500 is essentially the Super Bowl of NASCAR, uh, which... Most folks would find strange. Why would you do your biggest event as your kickoff event? But that's just been the nature of NASCAR. Uh, Daytona Speedway is uh, the number one track for NASCAR fans. It's the way they want to kick off uh, the season. And, you know, it generates the most interest amongst the general fans. Uh, You know, they do have uh, some races at... uh, uh, Indianapolis Speedway, uh, where you have the Indy 500, uh, 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 Indy 500 race. So NASCAR also does an event there, but, uh, the Daytona 500 is the uh, biggest event by far of all the NASCAR events. And, uh, it's the one the drivers want to win the most. So with that being said, you, you usually have a very deep field of cars. So you got over 40 cars on the track. It's a 500 lap race, uh, so it's a it's a lengthy race. So uh, you got a couple of hours ahead, and uh, with that being in mind, it's also plate racing. So uh, what do I mean by plate racing? Uh, there are restrictor plates on the vehicles that slow down the overall speed of uh, these cars. So essentially, you've got large uh, cars. Uh, not unlike uh, uh, completely different from the Indy cars or even the F1 cars, which are fragile. Uh, you got uh, cars going around on the track uh, doing, and you know, this is where uh, people just kind of uh, write off NASCAR just doing uh, driving around in an oval. There's a lot of strategy and different uh, approaches involved in a race like this. And that's why I say the variance is so high because the chances of wrecking are just astronomically higher when you have that many vehicles on a track for that long of a period of time. Most races, you're looking anywhere from 300 to 250 laps. You're not necessarily going the full 500. And so when you add that layer and you've got to factor in pit stops, refueling, you know, there's just a lot of balls to juggle in the air for these teams. And that's why I say salary 
you really got to throw it out the window. Uh, you know, this is a race where salary really doesn't matter in terms of your lineup construction from a DFS perspective. And, uh, you know, the audience uh, is essentially just kind of picking blindly because a lot of casual fans are going to just look at some of their favorite drivers. They'll look at a Kevin Harvick. They'll look at a Chase Elliott, uh, Kyle Busch. Uh, you know, you got uh, Kyle and Kurt Busch. Uh, you got Martin Truex Jr. You've got a number of uh, popular names around NASCAR. Uh, the, the likes of Jimmy Johnson is officially retired. Uh, you know, so you don't have Jimmy Johnson or Jeff Gordon around anymore. Uh, so you've got a younger group of drivers, uh, but, you know, folks are going to go to their more popular drivers that they're fans of and uh, sign them in, and then they'll just pick the guys in the top 10 and think that's a wrap. And that's a mistake in terms of the, the overall construction, because realistically, uh, the way the NASCAR uh, races have gone the last couple of uh, races at Daytona because of the length of uh, the contests themselves, you know, there's just too many laps and too many places to wreck on the track that realistically, from a DFS perspective, you know, being in the top 10 to start the race is actually a detriment to you because uh, this race is about, you know, for DFS purposes, this is about place differential. And, you know, what I mean by place differential is the cars in the back, if they can somehow make their way to the front, the place differential points that they receive for their finishing position in the race relative to their start make them far more valuable then the cars are starting out in front. So what I'm getting at here is just because you may have ended up with the winner of the race in your lineup doesn't mean you're actually going to win a contest. You'll probably cash if you have the winner, but it doesn't mean you're going to win a tournament because realistically, to win a tournament of this type uh, of for race, you need to have all six of your vehicles uh, finish the race first off. And you need the place differential to work out in your favor. So realistically, what I would even say is before we even start with the actual builds themselves, I would say right off the bat, you know, the top five uh, cars in the field uh, in terms of starting position, they're out in the mix altogether for me. I wouldn't even consider them, even the pole sitter. There's too much downside and not nearly enough upside because unlike most races, you know, the pole sitter can rack up fastest laps early on, but that doesn't mean anything because you're going to have wrecks at Daytona. You know, Daytona is usually famous for having at least two or three massive wrecks during the course of, of, uh, of the 500 laps. So, you know, with that being said, with cars crashing out of the field, you're going to need to have uh, vehicles that take advantage of the place differential, and you're just not going to get that at the top of the field. And worst case, if those cars start slipping, or even worst case scenario, they crash out of the race, you're done. You are done from a place differential standpoint, because the negative points you're going to get from having those cars at the very top 
not even finish the race, your lineup is automatically cooked. So, again, where I'm getting at is you need to be able to take advantage of the fact that uh, there are going to be cars that survive these wrecks that are going to move up in the standings from where they originally started out the race at. So I would say, you know, like I said, the first five uh, uh, cars in terms of starting position, uh, you got to cross them off your list. It, it, it's just, it's just not going to go anywhere for you. And, you know, it's just a common mistake that you see time and again with NASCAR lineups, uh, especially at Daytona, because there's just no benefit to playing the guys in the top five. So in terms of the top five, uh, Alex Bowman on the pole, not in lineups. William Byron in second, not in lineups. Eric Almirola, even though he won the duel the other night, not not uh, not in my lineups. Austin Dillon, fourth, not in lineups. Christopher Bell, same deal. So then you get to six, and it's Bubba Wallace. Okay, you could play Bubba, but again. There was just not enough of a pull here to actually draw me into playing Bubba. He's starting with a new team. Uh, Michael Jordan now owns a race, uh, a NASCAR team. Uh, Bubba's, uh, Bubba's his driver, but Bubba has no teammates. And one of the things you're going to see in NASCAR is you kind of need teammates to help you through races like these uh, because at a certain point, you're going to need uh, a teammate to give you an assist, whether it's to get back from being a lap down, uh, someone's blocking you, you get a little uh, push. Like, there are a number of ways that teammates work together throughout the course of the race that, you know, add up uh, towards the end of the race. So, you know, towards the end, these guys usually start going at it for themselves unless they know their car can't win it, then they'll help their teammate. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, you're going to see some teamwork coming in uh, throughout the course of the race. So, uh, seventh, uh, you got Ryan Newman. Uh, story for Newman last year was he was involved in a horrible wreck at Daytona, and, you know, it it was ugly. Like, you really thought this guy would have been in serious, life-threatening danger. Uh, you know, he, he did miss a significant portion, and that's, like, how you know, like, 2020 was such a blur. Like, he had that horrific crash, and, uh, you know, with the pandemic and everything else, everyone kind of forgot about that story. But he had a very horrific crash here last year. So that's going to be part of the narrative is like how he responds this go around. Is he a little bit more cautious? Does he try to drop to the back? Uh, you know, a lot of uh, questions there. Uh, Kevin Harvick, you know, always a popular uh, pick. Uh, you know, I will have some exposure to Harvick, but I'm going to be underweight because Again, there's just so much downside. Yeah, Harvick could win the race, but, you know, if he doesn't win the race, what is he bringing to the table for you? Not a whole lot uh, from a DFS perspective because, again, like I said, the place differential scoring just doesn't favor guys in the top 10. Ryan Priest, uh, just, you know, no no go. I, I, I just uh, can't play Priest. uh, uh just too far up. He's in 11th. Uh, uh, but I can play Joey Logano and uh, I'll talk to, uh, talk about him in a bit as well as Kyle Bush in 10th. 
I'll talk about him as well. Uh, so nine and ten are are plays for me that I'll get to, and you know you've got a couple other guys uh, that you know I'm not really going to be touching. Corey LaJoy in sixteenth, Daniel Suarez in fifteenth, uh, just not going to be playing. Um, here are the guys that you're going to be looking to target, and it, they're the guys way back. So uh, I'm talking one any driver from 30th on. So you got starting with Chase Briscoe, Eric Jones, uh, Ross Chastain. Like these are names you're not going to hear of. But like I said, this is not a pick your favorite guy uh, kind of day. This is a build your roster back to front <laughs> in in a sense. Like you build out the guys in the back that you want to play in the 30 and 40 range, and then you pick. Uh, some of the more studs that are kind of in that 20 range uh, to go with. So, you know, realistically, uh, I would say at least two guys, 30 and beyond. And then you can uh, play the Denny Hamlins of the world, uh, the Cole Custers of the world. Uh, You know, I I want to be playing a lot of Denny Hamlin and Cole Custer uh, in my lineups. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But uh, Denny Hamlin's eight to one to win this race, odds wise uh, in Vegas. Uh, that, that you know that just tells you how much confidence people have in uh, Denny Hamlin. He's going to be the most popular play uh, on the high dollar uh, contest entry. So if you're talking anywhere from twenty bucks to five hundred bucks, Denny Hamlin's going to be the most uh, owned driver. He's probably going to have seventy percent ownership, uh, just straight out. Now, uh, the question becomes, you know, does uh, uh, does uh, there end up being a case for someone else to kind of sneak out? And that's where you get, uh, you know, some guys like a Ryan Blaney. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's not the uh, it's not exactly the. Uh, the most uh, exciting uh, play in the world. But one thing that I can say, at least, is the fact that, you know, you can get, uh, you can get a a decent amount of exposure to uh, somebody's uh, uh, plays uh, from a DFS perspective. As long as you don't get too cute. And what I mean by too cute is, like I said, you build out from the back. You got the guys in the 30s and beyond, but don't play too many guys in the teens. You shouldn't be having more than two guys in that uh, teen range of drivers. So you got the Blaney's at 14. Um, You know, you, you do have some guys that you can play. But I wouldn't go necessarily overboard like a Ma- Michael McDowell at uh, 17th. Um, you know, if you're playing Blaney and you got McDowell in the same lineup, okay, that that's good, but don't go and load up any more. Like it there's just not enough value uh again from a place differential standpoint, because you know, what tends to happen in these NASCAR wrecks is you know, the guys in the middle of the pack are the ones who get wiped out. So that's why you don't want to go too crazy in the teens, because if you got too many guys in the teens, chances are at least one of them's getting wrecked. In one of the big crashes, and like I said, if you don't have all six of your drivers survive, 
uh, the course of the race, you're done. And, and it's just that simple. So as, as I said uh, before, you have to kind of be able to uh, balance, you know, getting uh, some value in there. But at the same time, yeah, you're still going to want to have someone that has a chance to win the race. But it's not the end of the world if your guy doesn't win the race. You just need to make sure you put yourself in the best position possible to have all six of your uh, drivers uh, get through the end of the race. And, you know, one of the best ways to kind of work on lineup construction is kind of getting some of the guys in the back likely that won't get uh, taken out during the course of the race by being in the middle of the pack. And the ones that are just going to hang around and, and ride for like 300 laps and then start making their push in the final 100 laps uh, of the day. That That's where you kind of want uh, to be at. You want as calm as possible and then start racing in the last 50 laps uh, to go a little bit more aggressive on gaining position because Again, things can t- turn on a dime at Daytona. And yeah, what I'm saying is not exactly exciting television, but when you got guys that are aggressive trying to push up front and it's only lap 200, bad things usually happen when it comes to that. So, uh, I, and I'm going to say one name, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, you know, when your nickname is Recky, uh, there is a very very good chance he's not going to finish this race. So Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is going to be one of those guys that I will have some ownership exposure to, and then I will consider those to be dollars that I just lit on fire. If if he if he cashes and survives the race, I will count my blessings because he does have the upside to win the race, but he's more likely to crash out of the race than actually finish it. So it's just one of those deals. So I. And if you're playing Stenhouse, you can't be playing a guy uh, that's going to be racing up front. So, like, uh, if you have Ricky Stenhouse, you can't be playing Kurt Busch. You cannot play Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Kurt Busch together. Like, that's a terrible idea because they're both going to want to be pushing the action uh, in terms of racing. So, again, having aggressive drivers in your lineup, limit it to one. Yeah, you could limit it to one and then have the rest of the guys just guys being trying to attract points. Like Ricky Stenhouse, if you're playing him with guys with aspirations of winning the race, it's there's a good chance that Ricky is going to be involved with them racing to the top and possibly wrecking one of them and himself out of the race. It's just kind of the way it goes for Daytona. So that's why I'm saying, you know, and if, Folks are probably going to look at this saying, like, this is not very helpful. But I just, I'm trying to get your mind frame in to the uh, thought process of you can't be going too crazy about your lineups today because there's just way too many ways you can get burned playing Daytona. So for me, I'm playing a lot of uh, Denny Hamlin. I've got uh, Chase Briscoe starting in 30th at 6,600. Tyler Reddick, uh, 7,200 at 29th. Cole Custer, 6,700 on DraftKings. He's 27th. Um, you know, Hamlin, he's 25th. You know, I'm just playing guys in the back and working my way from there. Uh, Austin Sindrick, 39th, 6,100 on DraftKings. I'm playing those types of guys because I'm, again, I'm trying to hang in the back. And then 
I expect a guy like Hamlin to wait it out, pick his spots, and then go to the top. He's not going to be, at least I'm hoping he's not going to be trying to race up too early uh, in the race uh, and just see how things go from there. But, you know, Daytona's always fun to watch, so it should be good television. Uh, there are definitely going to be wrecks. That that's just comes with the territory. So, you know, if you're playing lineups today, just play a lot of lineups, uh, you know, match it to your budget, of course. But if your budget's like 20 or uh, 50 bucks, then play the quarter entries and max out the 20 entries there. Don't go loading up on one single entry in the big dollar, $15 main tournament. That's the million maker contest that's paying out 200 grand first because here's what's going to happen. You're going to blow your load, like just playing that one contest. And all it takes is one wreck to take out your entire lineup and your day's done. You need to be playing multiple lineups and mass entering and differentiating your lineups with guys, like I said, in the back and just picking and choosing. And, you know, you know, if luck pans out, you, you get the right combination of six cars that go through. And that puts you well ahead of the rest of the field because, you know, the winners are going to be coming out of the, you know, the 10% or less that get the six for six drivers through. And then, you know, anything can happen from there. But if you don't get your six for six through, you're, you're basically done uh, by and large. So just food for thought. Uh, so that's where I'm going to cap things off uh, for uh, the Daytona discussion. But uh, uh, thanks for listening. Good luck and enjoy the race. Robert is racing. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.